This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 140. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and today I'm joined by Jacob Paulson. Mm-hmm. It's true. Here I am, Jacob Paulson. That's me. Hello, hello. People are probably expecting to hear from Ray, Ray Price. Guy was going to be on our podcast today. Yeah. And instead, they got stuck with you. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just wanted to let everyone know, uh, We, I was supposed to record an episode last night with Ray. Uh, we announced in episode 139 that uh, I was going to have him on. We had a really special and interesting topic, I think, planned. And we had some serious technical difficulties being able to make that work out uh some some internet problems i had problems a few days ago well he had problems on his end and we just could not get it all worked out so we're going to work to get him back on so my apologies for that and my apologies for you know getting stuck with uh with jacob for another episode (laughs) (laughs) anyway uh today's episode is sponsored by guardian nation looking for more training and better gear I hope that you will consider looking at and joining Guardian Nation to be part of the fastest growing tribe, and I think most awesome one, of self-defense shooters nationwide. Let me tell you one huge benefit, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put this out there right now, Jacob, is you get to participate and ask questions and get answers directly from industry professionals like Kyle Lamb, Rob Latham, Rob Pincus that we've had recently. And uh, this next week, actually, July 27th at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, we've got Andrew Bronca scheduled for our Guardian Nation live broadcast. And if you don't know who Andrew is, well, you should find out about him because he is, well, number one, he's an attorney. And he wrote a book called The Law of Self-Defense. And I think it is the best legal and self-defense well, let's call it self-defense legal handbook out there, period. He's been all over the place. He's been on TV. He's been on the news. Uh, he knows his stuff, and Andrew's agreed to come on and be our guest for July's Guardian Nation Live broadcast event. So you want to be a part of that, please check out Guardian Nation. And along with that, you're going to get 10% off everything sold at concealedcarry.com, as well as we're getting ready here in just a couple weeks, Jacob, to ship our next quarter's box. Every quarter, so once every three months, we send out a box of shooting gear worth at least, and usually much more, the value of the membership. So join now. Get your dues returned to you. Get access to Guardian Nation Live events, plus all the, the, the entire archive of past recordings, plus special training videos only available to members. Am I missing anything, Jacob? Probably, but uh, anyway. Yeah, there's lots of stuff included. Yeah, so the point is, go check out and join Guardian Nation at www.guardiannation.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Pig Lube and Quick Draw. And so, why don't I go ahead and introduce what we're going to talk about today, since we are missing out on Ray. (laughs) And uh, so Jacob and I, we decided today we would address a couple of questions that we've gotten in from listeners to the podcast. Uh, and so I, I think this will be a fun one. We've got a couple of really intriguing um, questions here. So basically, we'll, we'll, 
there's three questions here. We're going to read these questions. We're going to give you our answers. Uh, you know, I'm going to give the correct answers, of course. Jacob's going to give his super, you know, thoughtful sounding questions that sometimes are right, sometimes aren't. But uh, <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> but they always sound super thoughtful. <laughs> They're always right. <laughs> so uh, first up, I've got a question here from Bert, and Bert wrote in and said this: "Love the podcasts." Thanks so much for all the information you provide, or excuse me, all of the important information you provide. <laughs> and he said, as weather warmed, I began carrying my 9mm M&P shield in the right-hand pocket on my cargo pants. So I assume he means cargo pants, so like the cargo pocket, which that's probably better than maybe his other pocket, you know, like his pocket that's in his uh, his front-facing pocket. But, so he's carrying his 9mm M&P shield, and why I said that, because he says it fits nicely without printing. Should I keep it in a holster as well? So that's the first question. Why don't we go ahead and address that? So, Jacob, he's asking, he, he's carrying a 9, 9mm M&P shield in his pocket, regardless if it's the car- cargo pocket or the front pocket. Should he keep it in a holster? Yes. The answer is always yes. You should always, 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 always have a gun in a holster all the time when it's on you. Never any exceptions ever, period. End of story. There's just no exceptions. Now, this is a situation where a person might say, well, it's warmer now, so I'm going to put it in a pocket and I don't have a holster for a pocket. Well, there's, there are pocket holsters. That's a thing. There's these things called pocket holsters and they're specifically designed for this purpose in mind. You put the gun in the pocket holster, pocket holster goes into pocket. Uh, it's really straightforward, you know, conceptually. And, and we actually sell pocket holsters on our site. We absolutely we manufacture do. them in Massachusetts, as it were, and we sell them right here. Yeah. So, uh, Bert, come pick up one of these. Well, don't literally come. You're, you're in Texas and we're in Colorado, but, uh, Besides, they're not even here. <laughs> they're in our warehouse in Utah. So anyway, but check out on our website the pocket holsters we have available there. And I will also say, too, that there are some really – well, our holsters are very reasonably priced. If you're really in a pinch, go into Walmart, and a lot of times Walmart has Blackhawk brand pocket holsters. They're super simple, super cheap. They are not fancy at all. They're literally just a piece of fabric sewn together. That's a special kind of fabric, but um, they're like 10 bucks. And I think ours we sell on our site are pretty reasonable too, right, Jacob? Like yeah, they're fifteen and under, depending on the size and different yeah. things. We call them internal pockets, and then you, we also have a, po- a product called Pocket Shield, and they they kind of velcro together. So the pocket itself can go into one of our vests, or it can go into a pocket uh, in your pants, or it can go into a purse or whatever. So you you buy the actual holster thing, which we call the internal pocket. And then you also need our pocket shield, which is the thing that kind of keeps the pocket in the right shape and the the holster gun thing, you know, Velcro's to it. Wow, that sounded a lot more complex than it is. But <laughs> the, the point is, you need a holster, go get one. And in the case of a pocket holster, you really have a ton of options that should not be expensive or complicated. And that that's really, 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 really important. Uh, and you said there's no exceptions, right? Because he says here, by the way, I didn't finish reading all of his, the rest of his email. He says, I keep the safety on. And he doesn't carry with a round in the chamber, which actually has to do with his next question. So you'd still say, make sure you have a holster. Irrelevant. 
yeah, it, I mean, that, that's a, it's a different conversation, one which we have to address, but it doesn't actually have anything to do with the question, should I have it in a holster? The answer to that question is yes. It doesn't matter if you always have the safety on or you do or don't keep around in the chamber. The holster serves tons of purposes. Like the safety is the obvious one, right? Like it's going to cover a trigger guard. It's going to prevent it from being dis- discharged. Oh, well, but I have the safety on. Well, safety's come off. Oh, yeah, but I don't keep around the chamber. You sure? Um, you know, so there's all those other things. And frankly, I'll add to it that after we start talking about round in the chamber, you'll realize that you should have a round in the chamber. So then you definitely need a holster. But there's also issues like retention. Um, there's also things about you want that gun to be uh, drawable. So if the gun is not always in the same position or same place or, you know, whatever in that pocket, it's going to make it more difficult to train and have a tactical and fast and, and confident draw stroke. And so if that thing's just, you know, twisting, turning, bouncing right here, there, anywhere in that pocket, that's a problem. So the holster also conforms it in such a way that you can reliably and consistently draw it the same way from the same place. There you go. I don't think I can add anything else to that. So on to his next question. He's continuing his email. He says, I am afraid to carry with a round of the chamber. I keep the safety on. I know it will delay my response, but I keep hearing about people accidentally discharging their gun. Am I being foolish? Well, that's and our re- fault, Bert. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, because I'm reminded. We've shared in just the last few weeks of news episodes of the podcast. People, you know, like one guy sat on his gun in his car and it fired and hit him in the you know, butt or something. And the other guy had one in his waistband and was in his vehicle and... Uh, you know, somehow it fired and it shot him in the in the in the genitals. Uh, and then not too long ago, too, we had another one where a guy, uh, I think very similarly, where it was in his back, you know, waist or something in his waistband in a cheap Uncle Mike's holster, and uh, somehow that one fired and shot him in the butt. Um, yeah, so there's definitely these accidents that have taken place, and it seems to me, Jacob, I've seen a pattern. You know, guns in cars mixed with people. Uh, is dangerous, maybe? I don't know. No, I don't know. Well, one pattern is crappy <laughs> holster. The other pattern is yeah. no holster at all. So, I mean, the most recent one we shared on the last podcast episode was a story of someone sticking the gun in the pants with no holster at all, and that's why they had the discharge. So, yeah. so the, the short of it is, I think, you hear about a lot of people accidentally discharging their gun. That's probably slightly our fault because... It, because complacency is the answer. We we know that our listeners are gun people and that we all know what the gun safety rules are and we're all relatively committed to following them. But complacency happens anytime you become comfortable or confident in any given arena in life. And so because you become comfortable and confident, you start justified doing bad things you know you shouldn't do. You, you justify it either because you think that your skill level is, is sufficient or you justify it because you think the circumstances warrant it or a combination of those two things. And so in order to... Darn, basically scare our listeners uh, away from com- becoming complacent, we share those stories also. But they are relatively rare, right? We have like 13 million people in this country with a concealed carry permit. Probably 10 to 15% of them carry a gun every day. That's over a million something people that walk around with a gun every single day. That's a lot of people. So the occasional negligent discharge that comes from one of those people is a extreme outlier. So... Yeah. If you want to keep the safety on, I'm saying that that's that's fine. Like I'll I'll go there first. Like there's nothing wrong with keeping the safety on because that's a relatively easy thing to to you know to disengage in a draw stroke and in a fire with a strong hand when shooting one-handed. Round in the chamber, yeah, that's a different thing for us to open. Yeah, let me let me address that right now uh real quick and and by the way you can actually go back and listen to a past episode of ours. 18, I believe. Yeah, it sounds about right. I'll confirm that, but um 
are you being foolish in not carrying with around the chamber? And I'm not afraid to just come right out and say, I, I personally do feel that a person is foolish in not carrying with around in the chamber. And the reason why is because in many instances, many instances, you need that gun or when you need that gun, you need it now. You need it immediately and you need it to be ready to function. And if I've got a rack around into the chamber before I can use my gun and I'm in a close quarters fight, that's a problem because I'll tell you what, a guy, you know, an attacker may be able to prevent you from being able to rack that before you can complete that motion. Uh, another thing too is you might induce a malfunction in the course of racking the the slide. Okay, because one either because you're under stress and so like you just don't complete the motion, you know, completely accurately. Uh, you short stroke it, uh, or you know what? Sometimes racking around into the chamber for whatever reason and it's probably a little bit more prone on certain guns especially a lot of your really small compact micro compact guns i had a little super small pocket 380 a few years ago um and i'm not going to mention which one it was necessarily but if you if you really want to know you can send me a message and i'll tell you what what model it was and i was not impressed with how often i would try to chamber around and it would jam and uh it was a little pocket 380 and it just it had a problem. So I, there, there's that issue as well. Okay. So there's, there's the issue of not having it ready when you need it to be immediately ready, which there's definitely situations where that could, where that could be the case. Uh, take for instance, I think we shared the video of a guy, uh, an off duty cop in Brazil who was, uh, uh, approached by two armed men and they were trying to rob him. And he felt like his life was threatened, so he went to draw his gun. He he did a very you know he did a very smart way of or he he did it very smartly where he kind of you know bladed himself a little bit so they couldn't see exactly what he was doing. And then when he was ready, the gun came out and it came forward, and he begins firing immediately. He would not have been able to do that and defend himself in the same way with the same level of efficiency and success if he had to rack around into the chamber. And uh, so. You know, there's probably some other things I could address too. We we actually touched on a lot of those in the ep- it was episode 18. It's called to chamber or not to chamber. Uh, but for those two reasons right there alone, I, I I feel I must start with my gun already chambered. There's no reason not to. Most modern firearms are not unsafe to have rounds in the chamber. They're not going to fire by themselves. If you have a trigger issue, meaning like you don't have a trigger that's protected adequately, such as in the case of carrying it in your pocket, Bert, you you know, we, we already addressed that. The need for a holster, regardless of where it is, how it is, you should carry in a holster. But if that trigger is protected, and even, and especially now you've got a safety that you turn on, and you know, then there's no reason why you shouldn't be carrying in the chamber. Yeah, and, and the most common thing that I hear people say when this comes up is speed. It's all about time. And, yeah. and I actually don't know that I fully believe that anymore. I saw a really interesting 
article, uh, geez, now I'm trying to think when that, how long ago it was or where it was published, but someone did this really great study where they basically said, okay, I'm going to time myself coming up on target and just firing with a round in the chamber. And then I'm going to run the drill again. And this time I have to rack the slide and then shoot. And the difference in time was not significant. It was less than half a second. And so, yeah, I mean, I get it. Yes. Lots, lots of you listeners like, yeah, half a second's a big deal. And I'm not disagreeing with you. Like I am all for faster. I totally am. But I think all the other factors are actually even more compelling to, to the, the, the cause or, or case that you should have around in the chamber. I'll give you a couple more thoughts. What if you only have one hand? What if one of your arms is out of commission? Like that, racking a slide one-armed, while it can be done, it's significantly more difficult and significantly slower. So, I mean, now if it's like I only got one arm to draw that gun and fire uh, because the other arm, and it's not always an injury, that other arm might be necessary to hold back my child or to keep pushing on a door or to block blows from my attacker in front of me or whatever. So, if I got to draw one-handed and I don't have a round in the chamber, I'm in real big trouble. Yeah, uh, that That is a serious problem. And, 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 here's, and not that you can't solve that either. I mean, there's no, ways to sure. rack one-handed, sure. but... That will take yeah. a lot longer. Than yeah, my, my half second difference in time just became four seconds, right? So that's going to be a problem. Here's, here's one other one that I don't think I hear people talk about that I think is a big deal. Ammo capacity, you know? Especially if you're carrying your M&P shield. What's the capacity on that thing, Riley? Standard I own is, uh, I think they have seven round mags and they have eight round mags. Uh, yeah, I think so too. And I think I think I have one seven, and then I think I have three that are eight round mags. But let's say it's eight. Uh, so eight rounds of that gun versus nine, right? If I have a round in the chamber, I get one more round. So what's the difference between eight and nine? Well, some of you it's like, well, that's just one round. But think about it in terms of percentage. That's that's a significant increase in ammo capacity. It's it's I, I'm not a good at math, but it's some it's more than ten percent increase, you know, in in ammo capacity just by keeping around in the chamber. Yeah, one more round is one more round. And when you're talking about s- small guns, especially that already have extremely limited capacity, that extra round in the chamber is a significant advantage in ammo capacity. I completely agree with that. And I'm glad you brought up, I, I'm pretty sure we addressed it in episode 18, talking about the whole issue of needing to draw one handed and use the gun. And having to rack at that point being, you know, a real issue, and, and that is a big. That's a big deal. Uh, that's a that's a huge deal. And the capacity issue as well. Yeah, the shield is uh, seven plus one with the flush fitting mag, and I think eight plus one when you got that slight, you know, slightly extended magazine. I think that's what it is. Uh, but you know, some some folks. Uh, you know, if they're carrying a Glock 43 without an extended base plate, you know, a plus one or plus two base plate on their mags, that's a six plus one gun. Uh, and starting out with only six rounds, well, now you're 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 really not much better than a six round revolver uh, in terms of capacity. So definitely on these smaller sub subcompact uh, and similar guns. Uh, you know, those rounds start to become really valuable. I mean, giving up one round out of a 15-round mag in my Glock 19, not as big a deal, but giving up one round out of a seven-round gun, much, much, you know, uh, a bigger issue. You, you you communicated that in terms of percentages, uh, percentage increase or de- decrease in ammunition. Uh, that's typical of you, Jacob. So, you know, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> so, I hope we're not coming across as harsh because... What I will say is that most newbies have dealt with all these things. Yeah. I mean, I didn't carry with the round in the chamber for years, uh, maybe maybe even three years. It, it took me before I was like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and put a round in the chamber. Um, it took me years to decide to carry a gun 
well, it didn't take me years, but it took me a little while to come, to get over the idea of carrying a gun without a safety or with, with a safety, but the safety turned, you know, not, not engaged. So that's another thing that I just think is very common. So, you know, don't, don't feel picked on uh, Bert, you know, in Texas, because these are very common things that a lot of people, I, I think last week I, I told my incriminating story about having a gun without a holster. So I've done all three of these things uh, that you're you're talking about, and they're very common things to to have to get over. And here's what I'll say about the round of the chamber, Riley. You said, you know, are you being foolish? You know, you made the argument. Yeah, you are. You should have a round of the chamber. When when my students ask me that question about the round of the chamber, my response is, you should have the goal to get to the point where you're comfortable having a round of the chamber all the time. That that is how I phrase it because. I do believe that it's the kind of thing that maybe you need to warm up to and I'm comfortable. I think that's okay, but I, I make it very clear that you should have the objective to get to the point where you have a round chambered all the time. That yeah. is the preferred, more tactical, smarter, better thing to do. There's no question about that whatsoever. But if you're not comfortable doing that out of the gate, that's fine. You're okay. We forgive you. Bring the gun with you anyway and and build up to that. Yeah. Uh, that's... Uh I appreciate, you know, that that's how you communicate to your students. Uh, I do something similar, you know, and I, I also will say to, hey, you know what? You got to do what you are comfortable with. Now, I will make the argument and the case that you should be uncomfortable with the idea of carrying without around the chamber. And here's why. For all the reasons that we've listed so far in this in this episode here today, um, there's the technology piece or the mechanical piece that that's pretty easy to address. You know, some people are just afraid that, well, you know, could my gun just somehow someday, you know, randomly go off? Uh, and I, you know, that's so easy to address. No, it pretty much is dang near impossible. And, and unless that trigger is pressed. And so, Bert, to, to simplify, you know, and sum up everything that we've talked about up to this point, get a holster, get a pocket holster for your, uh, your Smith & Wesson MMP shield, get a pocket holster, stick it in the holster, the trigger's protected, forget about it, put around the chamber. So, yep. and I, you can, we'll let you choose if you want to you know, leave the safety on or not. No, less, yeah. less critical, but it, well, however you carry it, make sure you do train. Yep. You know, so if the safety's on, train to disengage it on the yep. draw. If your gun has a safety on it, I have no problem with that. I mean, I prefer, I, I tend to purchase guns that don't have, you know, active or manual safeties unless it's a 1911. Uh, but if it's got it and you want to use it, use it. It's not that big That's a right. deal. You know, most cases, sweep it off your thumb. You know, not a, not a big deal. That, that one's pretty easy to train. Um, anyway, so good question, Bert. Thanks so much for listening and submitting that question to us. I hope that helps. Uh, you know, the little bit of an answer, uh, actually a little bit of an answer turned into like 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes of answer. But it, it is a very valid and important uh, a topic that I know many newer CCWers especially, uh, they, they wonder those same things. So I hope this was a help for them. Here's our next question. This is from Jesse. Uh, apparently, he's in New York because he says, I carry in New York State looking for advice. He says, let me start by... Jesse's a dude. Oh, okay. All right. Well, well. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. <laughs> I know women named Jesse. Fair point. Fair point. Now, a lot of times they spell it J-E-S-S-I-E instead of J-E-S-S-E, but... Just, just saying. <laughs> anyway, so Jesse says, let me start by saying that I'm a huge fan, huge fan of the podcast, and as a new CCWer, it has helped me tremendously. 
good. We are so glad, Jesse. That's why we do what we do, and it pumps us up and uh, encourages us to keep going when we get comments like that. So thank you. Uh, I sincerely appreciate all the effort. Blah blah blah. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna, um, you know, just this is just propping me up. So let's get to the meat here. Let's see. That being said, I have some personal concerns as someone who carries in upstate New York. I am in Dutchess County, which is essentially the line people draw between upstate, generally more gun-friendly, and the city, not gun-friendly. As a result, we have a very large mix of people here who are either pro-gun or anti-gun, and being from New York, both groups are very loud about their views. I travel the world competing as a martial artist, that is very cool by the way, and can confidently say New Yorkers are the most aggressive people around. That leads me to have concerns when I am carrying concealed. I'm constantly worried about printing even the slightest because the people here are all about making a scene. I do live in the general area where there are shootings and crimes committed with firearms, so there is a generally high level of angst towards firearms. Are there any things I should be worried about, or am I just being a typical new CCWer? I have listened to most of your podcasts that had anything anything to do with what to wear and how to conceal properly, but I may have missed an episode on what to do if called out by someone. What steps should a CCWer take when it happens, and anything that can be done to avoid the situation? Again, I want to stress that this is in New York because the majority of people are not gun-friendly and tend to be your stereotypical liberals when it comes to guns. All my friends and family carry, and they tell me not to worry so much about it, but I would rather just be prepared. Any advice you could give or podcast episode you could point me towards would be greatly appreciated. Thank you for your time. And thank you for your time, Jesse, and typing that, that up and sending it to us, and hopefully we can address this here now. Yeah, can I start? Go for it. So, first off, uh, everybody thinks that they live in a place where it's a different, unique culture. Most of them are wrong, but Jesse, you're right. Those people in New York are freaking weird. So, I, I'm always dumbfounded every time I hear stories about what people in New York are doing. So, to that, I say, you're actually right. But anyway, okay, sorry. It, here, here'd be a couple thoughts for you that are really important. Um, number one, if if you're really concerned all the time, if you have this angst that you're printing, that people are going to notice that gun, they're going to see that gun. First thing you should know, 100% normal. (laughs) You are average. You are the majority. It takes years sometimes to get to that point where you're just comfortable. Like, ain't no one going to see this gun because I've been carrying it around for a while. Ain't no one ever seen it before. So I, you know, the odds are pretty low of it happening now. So it just takes time to get comfortable with the idea that people are not going to see that gun. Um, it, I remember the, my first days carrying that gun, you know, I, I just, I I'm not going to forget. I remember getting the permit. I remember taking that gun with me. And my first days as a concealed carrier, I was I was a student, a college student. I was going to Utah Valley State College every day, you know, with my backpack, and that that was my life. I didn't have a job, and you know, didn't do anything else. I just drove to school and went to class, and then went home. And that was my my experience. I remember constantly walking around that that campus, thinking someone's going to see this gun. And just freaking out about it all the time. And that is so normal. So number one thing is know that that, that's just normal. That just is what it is. And the the pure fact that no one has seen it so far would suggest that probably that's not going to change. Um, There are some things that can be done uh, to conceal better, to conceal properly. And so, you know, not to discourage you from continuing to to explore your journey of, you know, better concealment in terms of different holsters or different guns or different clothing, because you should continue to experiment with that. You should continue to push, push that as the best you can. 
but know that your your stress is normal and everyone feels that. Yeah. We all I see this as an evolution or a journey because when we all first get into CCW, we all feel like the world is watching us. We all feel like, you know, every little bump in our clothing or whatever that it, to us it's glaring, you know, cuz we know the gun is there. And we look in the mirror and it's like, oh my gosh, like I can totally see my gun. I, I I definitely understand the desire in a place like where you, where you live, Jesse, in New York, um, to absolutely, you know, make certain that you are concealed. Uh, because number one, I don't think open carry is, uh, is it allowed in upstate New York? I don't think <sighs> I don't. I don't know that New Seems York. Is, you know, so yeah. like open carry is probably, if not illegal, strongly discouraged for obviously a lot of the reasons that Jesse already shared. I totally understand that, and we all, as new CCWers, kind of go through this phase of at first. It's like, oh my goodness, like you know, I'm printing like no tomorrow, and gradually over time, you you will get a little bit more used to the idea, and you'll also start to kind of realize that you know what those times or those instances where I I really feel like I'm I'm strongly printing uh, I'm really not or people just don't really notice um, because the reality is and especially in this day and age where we have so many distractions of modern technology you know everyone's on their cell phones or they're busy doing this or that they're probably not really looking to be honest with you yeah people are, people are lame right you oh. know and so I guess what I'm saying is I would probably not worry about it quite as much as, as what you presently are worrying about it, Jesse, uh, right now. Um, that said, you know, get a good holster, one that can, that conceals well, it's designed to conceal well, dress appropriately, uh, wear generally a little bit looser clothing than usual. And if you're not already, and you're, you probably have nothing to worry about. Yeah, I mean, here, here's two thoughts that might be very tangible and easy to apply. And these are not things I would always bring up because I don't want to put too much into this. I don't want people to read too much into this. But here are a couple things. Get out all your all your pants. You know, put on put on your standard pants. Put on the gun in the holster, and then get out all your shirts. Stand in front of a mirror and check them all out. And just do it. And then and then put them in a pile. Put put have one pile of shirts that. Yeah, these conceal really well and have another pile of shirts that, yeah, questionable or they just don't conceal at all. And just do that. Just have a po- two piles and look at those piles and just say to yourself, okay, now I know. Like if, if I want to feel really confident concealing my gun, this pile of shirts does it well. And, and maybe they're all a, a size bigger or maybe they're a different style of shirt or something. And, and now you know. And I mean, I, I still to this day, it's not as stringent of a thing, but for years, I, I've basically in my shirt drawer, I have two piles. One pile is gun shirts, one pile are non-gun shirts. And I just know that if I'm wearing a gun, I got to pick from the right side, which so those, those shirts get used a lot more. And every once in a while, my wife's like, how come you never wear this shirt that I bought you? Well, it's, it's on the left side, you know, like it doesn't conceal the gun very well. So, so that would be one tangible thought. Here's another one. Most of our listeners are probably using like an IWB holster that clips onto a waistline, right? Either has a single clip or a double clip system that goes onto your belt. And what happens with these is sometimes they sit a little high. A lot of printing issues or exposure issues come because the shirt rides up uh, and, and, it, and you print mm-hmm. or you expose the gun. If you can change that holster to make the whole rig sit lower, which would mean you're raising the clips 
on the holster itself, that you might find that makes it easier to conceal. Is that a little bit of a deeper carry? And some a lot of holsters, that's a very easy adjustment to make. Allen wrench, couple screws, boom, boom, and the whole thing is going to sit lower in your pants. If you're using using like a waistband or belly band system like the Brave Response holster that we sell, then just just carry it lower, just push it down, you know? So that, those are two tangible things that I often will give a beginner for advice that it's just easy to do and that might make you feel significantly more confident. One thing that uh, folks should probably be aware of or at least consider, if they are wearing their holster lower, if they're adjusting it so that it sits lower, uh, is that by going you know lower and deeper, you're generally affecting uh, speed of deployment, meaning it generally becomes a little bit more difficult to grab the gun when the grip isn't, you know, sitting good and high above the waistband or the belt or whatever. So, you know, it, there's always these trade-offs, right? Like we can always carry deeper and better concealed. And so thus we have less of a chance for printing or whatever, but then it's harder to get to the gun. Uh, I try to, you know, I try to maximize my ability to get to my gun and adjust my dress as much as I can to accommodate that because it's, it is important to me. Uh, I have in the last year moved more to appendix carry and I seem to have less of an issue with a lot of this, which is why I'm becoming more and more an advocate for appendix carry. Uh, so, I mean, it, some of these issues go away, I think a little bit with appendix carry. Um, I, I seem to be less concerned about printing too. Anyway, so that you know, I, I would maybe almost even throw that out there too as an answer to your question, Jesse. You might try different means or methods for carrying concealed. I don't know how you're carrying right now. You didn't really uh, detail that in your email to us. Um, you know, I personally feel that traditional IWB in that four four to five o'clock position on your strong side, you know, just behind your hip bone. I personally feel like that is while it does generally conceal pretty well uh, once you get the gun and the holster in place and you you know adjust your clothing and your shirt over top of it as soon as you do anything active uh, you bend over things like that that's a prime opportunity and time for that gun to print and that's another reason why I feel like there's a strong case to be made for appendix carry because bending over and things like that, that used to be a big concern for me. Like I remember being at the grocery store and needing to reach something like on the bottom shelf and I'm a, you know, I'm a big guy. I'm a six foot three and oh, well, you know, well over, I am 230 pounds. So I'm, I'm well over 200 pounds. And, uh, you know, if I needed to reach something on the bottom shelf at the grocery store, I would not bend over at the waist to do that. Because I would, you know, I I would almost guaranteed print, you know, the grip yeah. of my gun, and so I would kind of do this, you know, crouch down, bend my I knees. I call it the pregnant woman move. Yes, yes, <laughs> that's so true, and I don't worry about that as much anymore because of how and where I'm carrying, and that is primarily now in the appendix position, which, you know. So anyway, yeah, and I'll just say, you know, I tell my students this all the time: experiment at home, at home. No one's going to point at you and call 911. No one's going to scream. No one's going to shoot you back. At home, you can you can try all these things. You can, you know, because in your home, you do all those natural movements. You sit down, you get up, you walk upstairs, you go downstairs. Um, you you bend over and pick up things. You reach for things on a top shelf. Like, just, just try all these things at home and you start to learn, okay, I can't do this like this. I got to do this. And over time, you just change. Uh, I, I still carry about 4, 4.30 position. And uh, in fact, Riley, tell everybody what happened yesterday. 
about my comment to you? Yes. Well, I I I complimented Jacob because I asked. I said, "You're you know we we were out and about together, uh, taking care of some business, uh, meeting with some folks, and uh, I was like, dude, are you carrying?'" He's like, "Yep, of course." And I was like, "Well, I'm impressed because you were wearing a fairly tight T-shirt. You know, it was for, it was pretty form fitting." Um, yeah, relatively. Real yeah, awesome. you know, like there it wasn't a super baggy shirt. Is my point, right? And I was like, "Well, dang! Like I'm having a hard time telling that you're actually carrying concealed." And of course, you you thanked me for the compliment. And, you know, one thing you had going for you, by the way, is you were wearing a black t-shirt. And black, yeah, black is helps. a great color for, or darker colors in general. General are are really good for concealing uh, printing. Uh, it's harder to see the folds in the fabric, mm-hmm. uh, shadows, you know, as opposed to lighter colored shirts. Like white is like I never wear white. Uh, anymore due to concealed carry. I just don't, you know, whether I think it's because your wife told you that black is slimming. That could be too. You know, I'm def I definitely care about looking, you know, slimmer. <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, you, you spend a decade doing something like this and you just move a certain way. You just do, t- do things differently. And here in a minute, I'm going to talk more about this, but uh, the other day I spent two hours playing ultimate Frisbee with 11 other humans and none of them know I carry a gun. Yeah. And I had it on the whole time in a normal t-shirt with pants in the four o'clock position. I, I have grass stains on my pants. I was diving, rolling, jumping, reaching, and doing everything that any decent person should do when playing ultimate Frisbee. And no one ever saw that gun. That's impressive, by the way, because I am not convinced my shirt would stay down if I was doing that. But at least carrying in the position like you carry appendix, that might be a little different for me. But and I'm not saying that every news, uh, that, you know, ten years ago I could have done that. Like, there's no way. But just little, it's just all these little things about the way you twist and the way you move and the way you, you know, when you when you're getting up, you sweep that hand back there and you push the shirt down and just all these little things that you just kind of get used to doing. Yeah. Well, and hopefully you learn how to do that very. Uh, Covertly. Covertly, there you go. Because that's that's a tell right there a lot of times, right? And we've sure. talked about it would that. be for you. It's not for the average ultimate True. frisbee player. True. So let's get to our final question here. And this is from Brian, and he asked I listened to your latest podcast where you asked if people would be interested in hearing about carrying while bicycling. I would love to hear about this topic and just carrying while doing other physical activities. And he says, Personally, I use the smart carry while biking. Thanks. And so, yes, you said we were going to talk about this a little bit more in a moment as you were talking about playing Ultimate Frisbee, you were carrying concealed, and uh, you you know, you succeeded at doing that. Uh, well, I will say that we will probably do a more lengthy episode where we go a little bit deeper into this topic about carrying concealed while bicycling and also doing other physical activities, maybe some tips and tricks as to how to do that. But we thought we would address this question a little bit right now in today's episode. And so, you know, I've done a little bit of bicycling and to be honest with you, when I'm biking and my, my style of biking, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mountain biker when I do bike and I don't get unfortunately out and do that as much as I, as I used to, but I used to be a very avid mountain biker, even did a little bit of competing, you know, r- racing in some, some mountain bike races and stuff. And just had a lot of fun with that in my younger years. And, uh, to be honest with you, a lot of times when I was mountain biking, I would carry it in a backpack cause I would wear like a little camel back, uh, you know, 
because I, I that was how I carried my water primarily mountain biking was I had a water bladder in my camelback and I had a pocket in the camelback where I I concealed a, a firearm so that's a pretty simple solution right there if you're wondering about carrying concealed while biking uh, it's not the most quickly or easily accessible and I definitely have talked and have been on the record for talking about the uh, challenges and dangers of carrying uh, off body you know in a in a bag or a purse or something like that. But, uh, you know, sometimes there's, you, you just have to make comprom- certain compromises when you are doing certain things. And for me personally, mountain biking, partly because I was always afraid if I wrecked and if I landed really hard on a concealed gun on my waist, that I'd mess myself up even more. And so that's why I would carry in the bag. Um, as far as carrying on my person while biking, and recently I went for a bike ride with my wife and kids. And I just, I, I didn't change anything about what I was doing. You know, we just went outside. It was a casual ride. I was already, you know, just, I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt and I was carrying an appendix and I didn't change that. You know, I just, you know, riding on the bike, appendix carry didn't change anything for me. Now, if I was carrying IWB at 430, that might be a different story because bent over like you typically are riding a bike, that might tend to print a little bit or your shirt might ride up. Hence why I'm becoming more and more a fan of appendix carry all the time. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think if I had, if I had anything to say, like that would just help the newbies. Cause some of this, you might feel like, well, sure. You guys have been doing this forever. Like, well, okay. Yeah. Like you got to start somewhere. So pick something and try it and try it in a conservative way. And over time you can try something else. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, cruise up. If I live in New Jersey, I'm not gonna like, Hey, I think I'll try cruising around on my bike today with this gun over here and see if anyone sees it. Like, no, I wouldn't do that in New Jersey. Right. Um, but I talk about experimenting at home and you're pretty hard to ride a bike through the house, but there's a lot of things you, you can try doing. And, and, and there's, you know, I'm a runner. So, you know, Riley, you like, I used to, be an awesome, I rode my mountain bike all the time. Like, well, I used to be a runner. Uh, now we're both, you know, lazy farts to sit in front of a computer or something, but, but, uh, I was a runner. And so, you know, I, I, I carried a gun often when running, it meant I had to have a smaller gun. It meant I had to carry it in a different position with a different kind of holster, but it was doable and I found a way to do it. And so the, the answer, there's no like easy answer to these things, except just try. Now here's, here's a couple things that are tangible that I think I, I, <laughs> I'd have to mention. Holster retention. Holster retention is a mission critical topic when we're in this subject because, like, do you remember that news story, Riley? It was like, I don't know, was it last year sometime? Some guy goes to one of these like trampoline places for like a kid's birthday party and he's jumping up and down on the gun is uh, on the holster or he's jumping up and down on the tramp and his gun comes flying out yeah. of the holster and, and hits the ground. Yeah. Uh, I, I often, when I talk about retention, I'll tell people like, okay, put that gun in a holster and like run as fast as you can and see if the gun stays put. If it doesn't, you know, you don't have good enough retention because um, running is a kind of thing you might have to do. And so retention is probably like the number one most tangible thing I would point at if someone's talking to me about doing physical exercise or anything like that while while carrying the guns. Like, well, you need really good active retention. Yeah. Don't forget that retention is also important if you are in some sort of, you know, scuffle or fight. Uh, it's Running is one thing, but rolling around on the ground, uh, of course, we always want to avoid that if possible, but it's certainly a possibility in a self-defense scenario. Uh, it's retention. I cannot emphasize how important it is. 
Humongous. And this goes not just for retention of the holster onto the gun, but also retention of the holster onto you, onto the belt, or onto the body. And and because, uh, you know, I'll tell you what, too, if, if you're fighting with somebody and he discovers that you've got a gun on you, guess what? That fight sometimes will become a fight over. It is a fight over that gun. And maybe that threat is trying to get the gun off of your belt. And if your clips or however the the holster attaches to the belt or attaches to you is not very strong or secure, it won't take much for them to just wrestle that off of you and take it. And now they've got your gun. Now you're really, you know, screwed. So, just some things to think about. Retention is super, super important. So, you know, doing... Physical activities, uh, whether it's a concealment issue, or it is a concealment issue, and obviously that's probably more of what you were asking about, Brian, uh, but it's also important to consider the retention aspect. So don't forget about that. Don't overlook that. Look for holsters with good retention. I mean, I've literally taken Kydex holsters where it just, the gun came out and slipped back in way too easy, in my opinion. And I've taken a little heat gun, applied, you know, cause, cause Kydex is formed with heat, taking a little heat gun and around the trigger guard, that's usually where the retention uh, happens at. And I've, depressed that, you know, further into the trigger area or just made things tighter so that it made a much more, you know, tightly retaining holster because it is important. Uh, if you're using something like something like the Brave Response holster, it uses a traditional uh, thumb snap, you know, or thumb break uh, type of retention that works pretty well. It's hard to uh, defeat that at least easily. So that, that works pretty well. Um, and then, look, like I said, look at the clips and things. Some clips just don't retain quite as well. Like they're more like they've kind of clipped the gun and the holster onto the pant or onto the belt, but it doesn't, you know, they're not really holding it on there, you know, preventing it from being pulled upward uh, without too much force. So look closely at those sorts of things. That's one of the reasons why I really like a lot of times uh, the metal clips, like really high quality spring steel metal clips that, that have you know a nice aggressive return on the clip where it clips underneath the belt or something, uh, that works really well. And, and even some plastic ones work work really well too. This uh, I'm wearing right now an On Your Six uh, Designs holster, uh, appendix carry, and the clip on it has a really aggressive return. That means you know at the bottom of the clip, it kind of, it does a U-turn. And so when this is clipped onto the belt, like it's really, it takes actually a lot of effort for me to unclip this from the belt. And that, that's, that's really important. That's one of the reasons why I like this holster. So there you go. Uh, I don't know if you have anything else to add, Jacob, but uh, we'll, we'll come yeah, back. I, oh, go ahead. Experiment, be cautious. Retention is really important. Yeah. And we'll come back to this topic of doing physical activities and bicycling and stuff like that. Oh, uh, one more thing. I'm sorry, Riley. Sure. I want to talk about backpacks specifically. You mentioned, you know, wearing like a hydration pack because mm. uh, I'm leaving brand names out of this. You see how I did that? You you're... You, you mentioned <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned your hydration pack. So a lot of people, uh, you might be, if you're hiking or bicycling or doing a lot of these things, you might, you know, depending on the activity, you might be wearing some sort of backpack. Certainly know that those things do tend to cause your shirt to ride up. So if you are carrying between about three o'clock and six o'clock, uh, and you're wearing some sort of backpack, know that you're probably going to have some concealment issues if you're not very cautious. Yeah, yeah. Glad you added that additional thought. So good stuff. Anyway, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode today. But before we let you go, 
Uh, first, I have a couple sponsor messages, and then we'll get to our picks of the week, and then we'll we'll close out for today. But uh, today's episode is brought to you not only by Guardian Nation, like we mentioned earlier, but also by Pig Lube. Pig Lube is really amazing lube. I love this stuff. Uh, the guys that make Pig Lube, they just really wanted to put fun back into shooting. That's why they came up with their synthesized bacon grease smelling gun lubricant. And it, it not only puts the fun back into it, but like I said, it's really great stuff. I use Pig Lube when I'm shooting three gun. And I'll tell you, the, the beating my guns take in shooting three gun is substantial. And it always amazes me when I have put hundreds and hundreds or maybe in some in some cases thousands of rounds through my gun and I come back to the house, tear it apart, and I go, wow, there's still lube here. And that is not always the case with a lot of the lubes that are out there. So pig lube, it really works. It's fun stuff. If you like the smell of bacon, you're going to love it even more. If you'd like the unscented version, they have that available too. It has a very unique and clever applicator that eliminates mess and makes it super easy to apply. Price on it is really great. So check out Pig Lube today. You can find it at concealedcarry.com forward slash pig lube. And for a limited time, get free shipping on all Pig Lube orders. And also we now have a new combo pack of Pig Lube and the new Pig Lube Cleaner. It's a solvent that is exclusively available on concealedcarry.com. So check out Pig Lube, check out Pig Lube Cleaner, the PLC, and I hope that you'll enjoy it as much as I do. Today's episode is also brought to you by Quick Draw, which is also another type of lubricant, but it's really for solving issues like things feeling gritty and sluggish when you're drawing your gun out of your holster. Sometimes maybe your magazines will get hung up in the magwell when performing reloads. Quick Draw is designed to solve a lot of those problems. A simple, quick, little, minimal application of Quick Draw in your holster will suddenly restore it back to like new, you know, where your gun is sliding in and out of that that holster like you expected it to. Now, I know we were talking about retention. Retention is key, but so is the gun coming out of the holster when you want it to come out of the holster. And a little application of Quick Draw makes it so much easier. We In testing, we found a 10 to 15% decrease in draw to first shot times after using Quick Draw to freshen up the inside of our holsters. Check it out at concealedcarry.com. There's a link in the show notes, concealedcarry.com forward slash product forward slash quick dash draw dash holster dash lubricant. Maybe one of these days we'll get a short link. <laughs> Make that a lot easier to read on the air. So there you go. Mm. Pig lube, quick draw. Go check it out. On to picks of the week. I'm going to go first. My pick this week, Jacob, is Unbeatable Mind, a book written by mm, Navy Divine. SEAL Mark Devine. Uh, I was looking for a book all about strengthening you know, mindset, and this book totally answered a lot of the questions I had and, and gave me a lot, of the, a lot of what I was looking for about strengthening my mindset. Having You're the, welcome. Thank you. It, it was a suggestion by Jacob. I, I I think we were having a meal or something, and I said, Jacob, I, I'm looking for a book about mindset. And you were like, oh, bam, got it. Uh, you know, and I don't know that you remembered the name of the book right off the top of your head, but you're like, Mark Devine, go look him up. And I looked him up, and I found Unbeatable Mind, and I was like, I was all over that. And uh, it, was a, it was a fascinating book, extremely well written, a lot of information in there I didn't even expect uh, that has caused me to think about the world around me and the way I live my life in different ways. And hopefully I am strengthening uh, my mindset 
you know, right now and every day and, and getting stronger. So having a solid mindset is really important no matter who you are, but especially when we're talking about self-defense. So if you're interested, go check out the book, Unbeatable Mind by Mark Devine. Uh, we're working on actually getting him on the podcast here soon too. So look forward to that. And what's your pick, Jacob? Mountain Top Cookies. So this is a cookie shop originally in Breckenridge, though they do now have locations in Keystone and Copper Mountain, Colorado, or Copper, Colorado, at Copper Mountain, and in Keystone, Colorado. And their website is BreckenridgeCookies.com. And this is just one of those things where our family likes Breckenridge. We go there quite often, especially in the summer months, because we're not actually skiers. We just like the town. And uh, when we're there, we're going to stop at Mountaintop Cookies. Like, that's just going to happen. And their cookies are amazing, and they will ship anywhere in the country. So if you really like a good cookie, I'm telling you now, cross Mrs. Fields off your go-to list and just start ordering from Mountaintop because their cookies are killer good. Yes, you treated me to a couple and uh, (laughs) life-changing. Those were amazing cookies. So if you are a serious cookie lover... Or even if you're not, this, these these cookies might turn you into a serious cook, cookie lover. So, good pick, Jacob. So, with that, we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, I hope that, once again, you'll join us next week, next Thursday, July 27th at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. And here, Andrew Bronca, as we talk about the laws of self-defense. And we'll likely get into and talk about some... Uh, specific legal type situations or scenarios and have Andrew kind of explain uh, a lot of the nuances and finer points and details to making the right judgment call in tricky self-defense situations. And that's what they are. Many of them are honestly tricky. A lot of the justified stories we share each week, a lot of times those, those work out pretty well, I think, for the people involved where they use deadly force, they're able to defend themselves, their homes and their families. And no charges are filed. But there's still times where we share stories and we're like, boy, I don't know if I would have done that. You know, I don't know if that was the right call or, you know, that's a little bit risky. Like I could definitely see, you know, you might get away with that in Wyoming, but in, you know, New Jersey, uh-uh, ain't happening. So uh, Andrew's, he's going to come on our Guardian Nation live broadcast event. I think it'll be a really good one. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, make sure that you are signed up for Guardian Nation, that you get the, uh, the the special link to join that live broadcast event where you can watch us talk and interview Andrew directly, and you'll have your chance also to submit and get your uh, submit your questions and get those answers that you desire about any other tricky legal situations that you might see or or think of uh, yourself. Um, also we're working on getting Andrew on the podcast here very soon as well. I'm just not exactly sure when that's going to happen. We're trying to work out our schedule with him. He's kind of all over the place. He travels the country teaching, uh, the laws regarding self-defense. So he's a pretty busy dude. So I'll let you know when we have that set up and, and we're good to go on the podcast, but look for him on the guardian nation live event next Thursday, 27th of July, 7 PM mountain. Hope to see you there. And so with that, we're going to sign off. Say goodbye to the folks, Jacob. Hasta la vista, folks. And so with that, oh, one last word. Uh, This next week's news episode that normally would come out on Monday, it is going to come out on Tuesday, most likely, because I am going to be traveling. I'll get back. We'll get that recorded. And that should hit the the airwaves, uh, the internet, 
uh, sometime on Tuesday. So I just wanted to let folks know about that as well. So with that, we hope that you will train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you next time. reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.